0: my name is zoe the co-host of not superwoman i am the granddaughter of french english and irish immigrants now living on boorong land i acknowledge that we meet on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the kula nation who are the traditional owners of the land in which this podcast was recorded we pay respects to elders past and present i recognize and respect their cultural heritage beliefs and relationships with this land. Welcome to Not Super Woman. Welcome. Welcome. We've (laughs) just pulled ourselves together to be able to do that welcome after what was an incredibly emotional chat. Yeah, it's definitely
1: been... um Profound, impactful, life changing. We spoke with Alana Kennedy, who's the founder of Oka Sun, um, and that is an ethically sourced SPF sunscreen made from native Australian botanicals with an indigenous supply chain. Um, about cultural competency and um, how important that is. How important that is. And and she just, I'm just. So grateful because she – and I think we sort of chatted, and you'll hear in the episode, but, you know, there is a a shame in um, not really knowing enough and putting our our necks out enough to push ourselves to understand and know better and do better. And she was gracious enough to afford her time, but also her experience to share with us about – what cultural competency is and identity and ha- and but then like what was so even more profound about
0: it too is just how the 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 woman to woman side oh and we and we you know covered things from i guess business relationship women supporting women friendships elders grandparents support community and what that means mm. and you know with the referendum coming up the vote you know for change and why it is important, mm. and why we need to know about these things, and 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 why it's up to us to ask questions and not feel stupid about asking questions.
1: Yeah, it, the yeah, the referendum to vote a yes or no to have a First Nations to change the Constitution and have a First Nations voice in Parliament, which um, you know we talk about and. She, you know, again, graciously entertains maybe our, you know,
0: questions again,
1: and, 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 but also ashamedly like our naiveties, like, yeah. you know, yeah, it was an emotional episode this week because as well, coming off the back of my grandma passing away and my grandma was like my mum and Alana talks us through um, the importance of elders in her community and the life guidance that they have to pass down and the importance of history and culture and understanding and wisdom. and um and by no means is my grandma passing anything in comparison to um, the indigenous community elders and what they have to to give and provide. It's just more realizing a human experience of of um, connection and family and heritage and, um, and you know how how integral respecting our elders in our community really is. Yeah. Um, no matter what community that you're in. And
0: so I think we just wept through. I did oh, the entire yeah. thing. Even um, even you know we
1: talk about friendship and how um, Alana acknowledges her best friend Sal that helped pick her up when she was down. And so and you know, I were both crying because I know that there has certainly been times. Many times throughout my life, where I've leaned on my best friends, especially Zoe. <laughs> yes.
0: That's why I cried. <laughs> that I was, um, it was beautiful. It was, it was a really, really a chat that I'm incredibly grateful for, and I feel like I learned so much. Mm. And we um, are so excited to share it with
1: you, and we welcome Alana. Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. We are incredibly privileged to be sitting here with um, the amazing Alana Kennedy from Oka Sun.
0: Well, it all came about with my husband, Charlie, saw you speak at a work conference and he came home and he's like, Zoe, you need to get Alana on the podcast. He's like, she was absolutely amazing and really you know, answered so many questions I had and informative, relatable, you know, he's like, I didn't feel uncomfortable asking all these questions I've always wanted to ask.
1: About cultural competency and um, you have, yeah, y- you very kindly have come to sit down with us and talk to us. So we're so grateful that you're you're here.
2: I, I think I'm more excited. <laughs> <laughs> That is kind. That's very (laughs) kind.
1: No, well, it's honestly, I think I was saying to you just earlier that Zoe and I have been wanting um, to talk about this cultural competency and um, understanding Indigenous culture better for such a long time. And there is no doubt in my mind that um, I think I explained to you that. Quite honestly, I'm ashamed to say that we don't know as much as what we would like to know and we also don't – we want to learn and know better. And when Charlie did come home and talk to Zoe about it, we we realised this was – and he said you just spoke so eloquently and openly and honestly that he, he felt very engaged and comfortable to to own that he wanted to know better and do better. Yes, um, so when we thought it, you would be the perfect person to, to talk to because it is, it's, it's
0: I, I mean, I, I... Well, also with the referendum coming up, like there's so many questions and I feel like I, I chat to people all the time about this and we're, and we're talking about it and people are like, I don't understand it. It's so complex. There's so much information there. I'm flooded. And, and you know, if you break it down, you kind of look at both sides, like we just, I, I want to know more yeah so, so
1: I was um, looking like into your website and um, like you talk about how you are a proud one-year Calcuttunggu and you would have to bear with me. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> um, but you grew up in Northwest Queensland and in the Kalkadoon country in Mount Isa region. Can you talk to us a bit about what that experience was growing up in Northwest Queensland?
2: Yes and before I start I think the thing is I need to do what we call an acknowledgement and the reason that I'm doing this so that I can take you on a little bit of a cultural journey is because I wouldn't be here, none of us would be here and I wouldn't be able to share this gift of culture with you if it weren't for other people that had some grit and determination before me. So I just want to give a shout out to, you know, all of the forebearers in my grandparents, you know, my the Chinese side, but also the Aboriginal side and the English and German side. I acknowledge that everyone came and contributed. And now here I am trying to do just the same thing. So I um I'm actually doing business on Cubby Cubby country today. It's not my country. So I'm totally feeling so blessed to be able to do business and be um, blessed by the elders here to do business on their country because we're all stewards, right? Mm. But I'm not stewarding over my own country. So the reason that we get to enjoy Cubby Cubby country here on Sunshine Coast is because the elders here never gave up, Um and this is, we're talking the Undumbi mob, the um, Waka Waka mob, Cubby Cubby. There's a whole bunch of tribes in this area. So I just want to acknowledge that I'm only here because I've been given safe passage and a blessing to be here, which is awesome. Um, but also my grandparents and my great grandparents, they never gave up. So I've got something cool to share with you today because of their grit and determination and their passion. So I just wanted to start with that. And I wouldn't be doing things, my my own culture, um, the you know, giving you the fullness of it if I didn't give you a, a little snippet in Kalkatangu language. So, This language is my... Origin language, which is Kalkatelli language, and my beautiful cousin Shree Blackley has revived our language from extinction. Wow. So that is totally a gift that's come from her. She's teaching us all our language now, which is awesome. Um, now, I've gifted it to you. Oh my
0: god! <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's honestly
1: that's
0: beautiful. Welcome. So, Alana, I'm going to ask a really stupid question. Ask Why is an acknowledgement of country so important?
2: I'm, can we just go with like the raw and the real Alana Kennedy version today? Yeah, and please, not please. We're just yeah. going to do the raw and the real. Because I, I just, I prefer the raw, but this is only my heart's posture for the acknowledgement, right? Everyone has an opinion about it. I love it because if we were in a room, we, we kind of are, we're in a virtual room. Ancestry, our ancestors now in the spirit world are all standing together. And I feel like if we don't acknowledge the people that have just refused to give up, then I I think I'm doing a disservice to them mm. by sharing something that's been passed down. Mm. So I feel it a personal responsibility to thank them and I also, I mean, you know, sure, on the English and German side, sure, I want to acknowledge those grandparents too. But the reason that I do it in a cultural way is because culture was something that was preordained and it was an ancient rhythm. It is an ancient rhythm. And I don't think that I should tell you about it without honoring the fact that it's been passed down over centuries. Mm-hmm. I feel like the acknowledgement so important because I feel like we all just get to click in together mm-hmm. when we realised it's come from the Creator, it came to tribes eons ago and they were obedient. And the reason that I get to share some really cool things with you is in obedience. So that's why I think the acknowledgement is so important. It's different for everybody though. I know Some people give it a big heavy eye roll because it's now, you know, people are kind of reading off a script and there's just no connection. I don't read off a script because my former boss, Yana Sita said to me, I I think when you write it down, you colonize it. So (laughs) from then I've kind of refused to write it down and I should just share sloppy copies better than none, share from my heart, you know, have courage enough to get it wrong. But be connected and be intentionally present in the acknowledgement. So that makes so much well, sense,
1: and even you just saying then have enough yes. courage to get it wrong. I mean, that is that's probably where for me the shame lies is that uh, mm. I don't know what's been within me. It's been something that's bubbling for so long, and not necessarily about the specifics of uh, of, of the acknowledgement of country as we're talking about, but a boldly stepping out and and trying and doing something different, even if you get it wrong. To to, um, to understand better and to hear what you're saying and to, to be connected um, is so important. And I hear what you're saying as well, like, you know, appreciating the land that we're on but how we got here, why we're here, how, you know... And, and why it's so powerful. Thank you for taking us through that and taking the time to, to explain. And so if we go to your growing up and who Alana Kennedy is, um, you grew up in northern Queensland. We did talk prior and you did explain to me very kindly that um, you grew up with your mum selling um, beauty products. And yeah. so take, can you take us through that and your connection to how you got to the point of that and then to Oka Sun?
2: We'll start from the start. Yeah, look, it's a big story. It might need a cosmopolitan to get the full one, but <laughs> in short, um,
0: yeah, I need
2: <laughs> Red dirt, you can see it behind me. It, you know, I grew up with this as my backyard. Yeah. I live. Next to the railway line. So this was our backyard every day. And um, I I think when we were chatting, I was saying that I was, you know, come out of utero with, with lipstick on. And that's how I feel because I love it so much. And mum was very meticulous about, you know, skin and hair and appearance and all those things. And just watching her and watching the ladies fire each other up, I think that's where maybe there was some form of ignition. I just loved that. I don't know, we call it like this sister club or this, you know, woman to woman, iron sharpens iron kind of deal. I loved that. And then there was a product that brought everyone together. So I think it was just a combination of those things. But, um, yeah, it, it's such a crazy growing up in that, you know, the simplest and I guess the most resourceful of um, youths because we didn't have a lot. Mm which made us super grateful for what we did have. Mm. But I think I've always loved people and been really intrigued by people. And mum got us into a lot of sport because out there, there's not a great deal to do. Um, And so I learnt at an early age, I think I did my first triathlon on my seventh birthday. Um, I learnt at an early age one, that it was really important to be around people that were better than you. And so I'm not easily intimidated like that, which I think is a great thing to, to have in my tool bag. But also, I learned an elite mindset, I think, at a young age. I learned how to discern good pain from bad pain early. Mm-hmm. And as much as I used to, you know, curse my mom for 60K bike rides after school that birthed something in me. So now I think as an adult I do carry that same kind of mindset and that same desire to be around people that really intimidate me, which is it's strange. No, but um, wish I had. My-
0: <laughs> yeah, my- yeah,
1: I definitely. I'm like,
0: I wouldn't six- survive <laughs> that 60K bike ride.
2: No, not even back hey. then or now those days. But um I was we, we were chatting about like where business started and it started my first business. I think it was like one of those cardboard shops in my bedroom. And as my twin brother came out of the bathroom I was punching on a calculator trying to check him out of his groceries or something. <laughs> but um the first legit business, I think it was my on my nana's um front lawn. I was selling grass squares of hers because I believed everyone in Mount Isa needed magnificent grass, like my grandparents, right? So that was, yeah, my first business was selling grass squares out in Mount Isa. So I knew that I kind of wanted to be creative and offer the world something, but I think it just morphed after years and years of doing this kind of. Just chew up and digest, you know, lots and lots of different roles in the community. I've done insurance. I used to work for Red Bull. I've done wine. I mean, I've done everything. But I think the biggest thing was I had a love of, you know, cosmetics from being a little girl, um, wanted to always work for myself but also love people. Mm. So just I think, you know, having the touch points of those things all throughout my career, Um led me to to be brave enough um, to do Oka Sun. But I was working for a Swiss company um, using Swiss botanicals in, in anti-aging skincare, and I loved it. I'll be honest, I loved it. But um, when you're trying to, I think organically I always have wanted to try and bring people with me, um, you know, if it's good enough for me, if it's good enough for everybody type deal. But um, I... We chatted about the transition from, you know, working for somebody and going back to work for myself. And I think it came when I was working in wine and I got really sick and I ended up losing my job. Um, I couldn't walk and my daughter was three and bathing me, Um, a single mum at the time. And that was those were those were tough times um, because you go from a you know a great corporate career in in you know wine and account management and it's all the it's all the glitz and the glamour yeah um, and I got a real reality check um, when she was little um, and I knew that one I shouldn't have to justify an illness that was crippling to an employer and I got um, I was asked to leave the company and so I had to had to go down the route of trying to, you know, defend myself and I just realised that this was just so silly and I thought I'm never, I'm always going to want um, to be able to provide a safe platform for people, to not have to justify if they're not great or have their A game or they're just unwell and they need a grey space. So um, I started working in a cosmetics, in a network marketing model in cosmetics and I loved it but in that organic trying to bring people with me, I couldn't. And I started to really have a glimpse of my childhood in that constant war of two worlds. You know, my dad's side of the family very, very different to my mum's non-Indigenous side of the family. So I started to see that in the corporate world a lot where I couldn't take people with me because it culturally wasn't safe for them. Mm. And what I mean by culturally safe is that People weren't understood and appreciated as they are in that corporate environment, and I felt like, "Wow, you're missing out because you're really not allowing people to be their authentic selves."
1: Yeah, and stretch you uh, stretch themselves to adapt to this Australian culture, like all the the Westernized sort of culture, versus actually being honouring their authentic selves. Is that
2: what you mean? Absolutely. And it was just this war, this war of people wanting me to be something that I wasn't. But also, um, again, I wasn't going to bring people into that model for them to experience that either. And, um, yeah, I remember just, yeah, crying out in the car one day, to what we call Birugaba, which is Creator, and just saying, what am I like? What am I here for? I've been all around the world working for an amazing company. What am I doing? And I remember just getting a download, and I tell you, if you get a spiritual download about the call on your life, you'll never forget it. <laughs> but I remember almost levitating when I got home and realizing that everything I'd done in my career, I could do and make it all work in my own model. And that was a pretty cool day. And that's kind of where Oka Sun was birthed through that vision of being able to build my own product and build the model where people could participate in their rawness and be celebrated in that exact space.
0: Mm. That
2: if anything, I would call them up to help refine people but not call them out and have them try to be something that they weren't. Um,
1: I was reading on your website that um, outside of Ocasan, sort of wanting to increase awareness of Indigenous culture, you it talks with by you know the benefits of Australian native botanicals. Um, you talked about how the the model of business that you're developed is that you want to reinvest to be able to create mod- social modular housing, employment, and programs for victims of domestic violence. Mm. I mean that is massive and beyond commendable in regards to like being so community minded. I guess can you take us through what impassioned you to to do that and you know um, incorporate that into your business?
2: Yeah, you're you're looking at the girl that I want to rescue because I was her, and you know if. If I didn't have my best mate, Sally, I wouldn't be here sharing this with you. So everyone, I think I should get this on a shirt, actually, that everyone deserves a Sally. I'd
0: buy it. <laughs> I'd buy it. Um, We'd all buy it. I
2: can't even talk everyone about her Sally. without emoting. <laughs> we should have got Sally yeah. on. Full. I should have got her on. We could even get her on the phone. But um, she is friend personified. She is love personified. And she crawled into the depths of my, mm, she does make me emote, sorry. No, no please
1: fine. take a minute. She and crawled no,
2: into the depths of my circumstance and had a refusal to leave me there. And I think, yeah, I've got to get this on a shirt, right? Everyone <laughs> needs a self. Um, and, and so because I had grown-up in like in a family where, you know, we had each other's back and we'd have those conversations. I didn't know what that was like. Um, so her demonstrating what's required when you get in a pit with someone, I was thinking, wow, I bet you there are 100,000 other women out there that don't have a Sally.
1: Mm.
2: And, you know, my girls. I'm a mother. Know how important Sally is, you know. So I wanted, I want to be Sally. And I didn't get that in the corporate world. And when you work for yourself, you can do a lot more, your reach can be greater. So when, when I say social housing, it's so that women don't have to worry about resources. And I know there's amazing people like my friend Jody that's um, working in the rise up business and there's a ton of other domestic violence you know organizations that are doing phenomenal things. But the one thing that I wanted is that oh, a I wanted everyone to have their elders around them because what elders carry, if, if, if we just gave elders the space to share what's on their heart, you don't ever leave the same. And that's when I I really could understand that knowledge is preordained and it comes from a spiritual place because you leave changed. Every time you have a couple with them, it's crazy. So I wanted to give people what I had and didn't have. I didn't have elders around me growing up, and I wanted that. Um, and there's no resent or regret in terms of my mum keeping me away from culture. Everyone did in my family what they thought was the right thing to do. But I want to give people the gift of that because it's so important to have that people, those kind of people around us. Because when we are this when we are down, elders do this thing. They just step in in this way that it's really hard to describe, but that's the kind of, you know, it's that preordained stewardship that they just have in their bones. They just step in in a way that they have a knowing of what to do or what needs to be done, mm-hmm. and they don't ask permission to do it, which really gives us the space to not have to have or hand over the permission to just take care of business or take care of our children, they just do. Mm. And it's a really extraordinary gift that they offer the world. So that's what our not-for-profit Wathata will do. It's going to be fireside chats where women can come as they are, walk out of where you are and walk into Wathata. And once you cross that threshold, you are held spiritually you are held by our elders and in a safe space where you don't have to apologise. You can come unapologetically you as you are and we're going to love you as you are where you are and it will give women the breathing space to explore safety as it was meant to be because not a lot of us understand how women are meant to be honoured. A lot of us have grown out, up without our dads, and it's caused that you know that generational gap in our thinking and our and our how we present to the world as well. So I really want to create that space for women. And then the reason that uh, Wathata runs right beside Oka Sun is that we want to reintegrate women back into community when they're whole and strong and. Um, you know, stitch things up in and in really in a gradual way as they build confidence or, you know, start to feel safe again. And Oka Sun, you know, we will have so many cool things going on that women can explore, you know, their gifting through Oka Sun as they heal. And I think that that is the greatest redemption story to let people spiritually learn what they were intended to do as they heal too, you know, because I was given that. So I, I want to share that with women. Um, and, yeah, look, the, we're only just starting and it's, we're only five years in, but we got a lot of work to do. But I know that there are a lot of brilliant people out in the marketplace that will redirect their spend to a high-quality product on the marketplace with a supply chain that impacts. But I also know that there are people looking to support not-for-profits because they want to have that same reach. A lot of people have been through what I've been through. So um, that's my heart posture um, about Okasan and Watara. Yes, well, you brought us
1: to tears. I'm like sobbing. <laughs> we, I, I, c- I, told you we were going to do oh, that. <laughs> you you did. My you warned us. <laughs> no, but I. It's so. It's, it's so- just so admirable, and I'll say, I feel like we're in the community that I live in. It's it's lost. It's it's eroded away.
0: The you know respecting your elders. The um yeah and 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 learning from them like it is like sitting down with elderly relatives, grandparents, friends and taking that time like and the respect yeah. you know they're such amazing people and the knowledge that they have and want to share with you is so important mm.
1: and it's eroded away the sense of community too because everybody, rushes at such yeah, a pace. Yeah, you do it and you don't
0: spend the time.
1: That you don't spend the time. So I really am in awe of the sense of community and like that that your culture provides you because it definitely doesn't simulate down to in, in in mine and, and it's something that I know that even, you know, in small ways of starting this podcast is something that Zoe and I were talking about is this, Wanting to build up again this sense of community, because it's the only way you can sort of pull each other up when the chips are down. Um, but Zoe and I were even talking about before, um, like all of the things that we again feel ashamed that we're not more uh, across and and like and and know better about is um the conversations around the stolen generation and the impact of the effect, trauma the generational trauma that and it then has that had carried down
2: we forget that um it's still happening right now yeah we say that it's something of the past but there is a, a traditionalist mindset that exists in our nation in a particular age bracket and it's the, that that traditionalist mindset is still governing the same policies in a way you know the exemption and the you know the stolen generation mindset then as is now mm-hmm. and that's what i guess i love to talk about and not in a way that calls people out but to really get them to understand that stolen generation. It existed. It's happening now, but it's a mindset. Mm. And it's something that we haven't, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know. But this is a place where I think that we as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we have to allow respectful comfort conversations to happen. And we are responsible for our language and I think we have to craft the language so that it's respectful enough that gives people the permission in themselves to not feel shame and guilt because you shouldn't. You know, you really shouldn't. And also it gives you the courage to be able to ask those questions. Like you were saying to Charlie, you know, I tell everyone at the start of our, our workshops there is no shame and guilt. You can leave it at the door. It doesn't belong here because we just have to look factually at what has happened so that we can understand what occurred to families. And then when we interact with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we can see the fingerprint of colonisation and stolen generation and the, the the depths and the levels and the layers of the trauma so that we can lead with compassion because that's where we start to, you know, when you are wanting to love on someone and love on them in terms of, the wounding, something gorgeous happens to people, and that's I don't think race specific. No, that's that's trauma. But without elders, there is such wisdom. Well, for anyone, there's wisdom in your wounds if you choose to share that. And I think that that's where things like the the referendum and the voice and the treaty making and all of that. I I have spent a lot of time with elders and. Of course, of course there is bitterness and anger and rage, of course. Mm. And I expect that to be there because that's a fingerprint of the generational trauma as a result of colonisation. But I also wait, and once we get over that, um, you know, that this is why I'm upset, something unexplainable happens and this, this childlike posture comes out. And they share from the depths of their love of culture. And it's almost like they go into that, you know, inner child and they share from that space. And it's extraordinary. But you only get that if there's safety in your interaction. Totally. Like that's where we let the community down because we all have these, you know, misrepresented mindsets about the expectation of how people are going to show up, whereas if we didn't have the expectation people and we just allowed people to show up how they, you know, warts and all, it's like I can love you if you show up like that because I have no expectation, right? Mm -hmm. But I can also learn from you because there's no expectation. And I've been so privileged um, through IPS and other work that I've had in the marketplace to be able to have those gorgeous conversations with elders. But it it's because I made a choice to never have an expectation from them and to just meet them where they're at in their wounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and not not pity them because that's not what they want. They want to be heard. Yeah. I learnt so much about the impact to families, but also what's happening in our nation where people and families are still being impacted because it's the same, the similar narrative going on, right? And that's where I feel like the voice is so amazing Mm. because it's not really going to impact um, people in a great way in terms of their life as it stands right now. Taxpayers will get, non-Indigenous taxpayers or taxpayers in general will get more money back because Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people will be talking more about how the money is spent because they know, right, you know yourself where you feel the greatest impact for your people can be. So you redirect the funds, and I think that's really cool. But I also love the fact that, you know, as a child, when your mum says, well, tell me about it, you're like, oh, well, let me tell you. And the value you feel, I think that's what the voice is going to do, you know, tell me. Let me hear what's on your heart and elders will rise and what will be gifted to the nation I don't think people are even ready for and I can't even wait till that old traditionalist mindset dies off. Ah. Elders can really tell the world what, you know, what the ancient rhythm is all about, you know.
1: Beyond powerful and beautifully said and and. And I understand that. Yes. It's such a, like, I don't want to take away from the entitled anger and frustration and rage that culturally the Indigenous community have a right to feel. I just, when you're talking, I hear it on such a human level. Yes. Like, I was listening to a clinical psychologist recently, Dr. Emily Musgrove on the Imperfects and she was talking about anger and she Mm. was saying when someone is angry or yelling, there is actually underneath that raw vulnerability Yeah, and you're right, it takes a safe space to ever entertain and be able to have, get to that place of being like safe and comfortable enough to, Dig past the anger to then really understand, yeah, understand what's happening underneath. And I think listening, just listening, and uh, and hearing people's experiences, but particularly, obviously, we're talking about culturally, um, Mm -hmm. is just the most powerful thing we can do. And it is. I just what I don't understand is why that is difficult for people to understand. I <laughs> think people also are scared of change,
0: oh, of course. and you oh, know course. they're so um, you know ingrained in them that kind of they're scared, uh, you just, know, of the unknown.
1: I know. I was looking at um, uh, SBS did a breakdown of the pamphlet that's going to be mailed out for the referendum and the yes or the no. And I was saying to Zoe earlier, I'm like, it's insane. Like, it wasn't. It was a factual breakdown. It wasn't a, a biased piece. It was like it opinion piece it was you know this is what's going to be on each document and it was um on the no was um the unknown like what an absurd (laughs) (laughs) like that was in in its most simplistic form it didn't actually specifically say that but like um but I was just like what an absurd way to approach any like how does anyone ever in any degree move forward in their life if they Mm. and make steps into any direction if that is what's holding them back and that's that's what I just it's unfathomable to my pers- personality. But I, I just yeah, I appreciate you explaining it in such a articulate way and and an understanding way and a compassionate way. Mm. And, I mean, in all the spare time that you do have, which, which is laughable because I'm sure you are absolutely – I was like, <laughs> uh,
0: probably none. <laughs> but
1: you do seem – you you manage to still fit in the time and and afford the opportunity, as you were saying, with I, IPS, that you you go and speak on behalf – speak in, in corporate sectors and so on about cultural competency. I mean, how does that conversation for you – I know you said it starts with – let's put guilt and shame at the door. But then Mm -hmm. what in real terms is the dialogue that you then explain to people when you are engaged in that environment?
2: It is about fact. It's not about the Alana opinion. And I do share a couple of little stories, Um, you know, one being that my dad and, you know, cousins and things that we, you know, they've talked about having to hide, you know, my dad's one of 12, you know, they lived in a two bedroom house, you know, my, my grandma passed away when um, they were really young. So my, my granddad raised all 12 children by going out and baking, um, you know, on remote cattle stations and coming home. And I mean, I share that story because that's what I know to be true as fact for my dad. And I share little stories about, you know,, um, you know, people identifying me as half caste or quarter caste and using these kinds of labels or names for me, and me not really understanding what that meant um, until learning more about the stolen generation and learning, oh, okay, so if your mum was non-indigenous and your dad was, A core, you know, half Aboriginal. You know, there was this kind of pie graph way of talking about identity, and so I've shared a couple of those things. But I, to keep it real, right, in terms of the Alana's story or look on things. But when I shared about culture, in terms of the real content, I just shared from a fact space because. And I also, I guess, in, in a joke, I always tell people I'm unoffendable because I truly try to be. Um, and I think that that, it, it, look, it, it takes a lot, but I give them the opportunity to ask me whatever they want and that I'm com- completely unoffendable. And people laugh until we ask the questions, right, and people, you can see people squirm in their chairs. Yeah, and They'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. Of course, because and those it's questions
0: like, make you uncomfortable, but isn't how are you going to learn if you're
2: not uncomfortable? Yes. How are we going to learn? And that's where I guess I I love a little bit of conflict or friction because it brings about people where, where we're truly at. So I love it because it's like, just go to the map, let's get it out. At least we're having the conversation instead of st- staying as we were. Do you mind
1: me asking, has it taken time to get there? Because I can only imagine navigating that, I mean, even probably navigating a conversation with us, but like navigating that sense of cultural, like, I mean, I I described it in a writing to you, but like cultural incompetence or Mm. cultural ignorance, like that, can I be as bold to ask, that must be absolutely infuriating or triggering at times. Has it taken time to get to a place where you are unoffendable?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, as a young girl, I I suppressed a lot and I think that's where, you know, I I became, I think, a little bit void um, and kind of just danced through life not wanting to feel or know or hear anything because it was very painful. I mean, I had parents who tried to protect me from culture because it was perceived to be such a bad thing, you know, that black people were not good And now, like, unfortunately that same mindset does exist um, and I have that often in conversations with people. Uh, It is what it is. But also it was really hard because I was looking at these people and we were calling them family, but I was never really allowed to have in protection the depth of relationship to explore what family really meant so I think I carried a lot of resent um for a long time and I was offended anytime anyone spoke about my dad's side of the family because it was like, well, I haven't even on my own terms been able to learn about what that truly means. And my mum did honestly the best job trying to give us a family by herself, again with her own layers of 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 trauma, you know. But I made a decision um, many years ago to love on people and at a place that made them uncomfortable, and that was choosing to try and be unoffendable because you can't really love people from a space of being offended. Mm. Um, Whereas I'm so curious about people that I just chose, you know, many years ago to not care about how people perceived me and to just love them where they're at regardless of what they were saying because it's really not my business in terms of what they were going on to try and fix that but and I think that served me well um and I really do truly want to love people so making that decision allowed me to do that and then they could just figure out their own hot mess along the way you know (laughs) but um it was interesting. I'll give you one example of something that happened in one of our workshops. A lady at the start of the workshop said, "I'm just so proud that um, one of her family members was the person to place the flag down in WA to claim that state." Right um, when the when when you know British colonization happened, the European settlement. Gosh. And at the start, I was like, okay, great. And then at the end, because that's great to her, you know? Mm. And who am I to steal that moment for her? Mm. And this was before we got into cultural competency, because I asked everyone to introduce themselves, tell me a little bit about their family. And so we went into cultural competency. And right at the end, I said to them, you guys no one has asked me any questions. Come on. Like that's all, let's throw down. That's what we came here to do because you need to leave knowing that you've come in and and you're different, you changed, something's had an impact on you. And she piped up straight away and she said, okay, okay, okay. How come you didn't say anything to me at the beginning about my family member putting the flag down? She said, because I don't know if that's actually great or not anymore, and I could see this moment. And I said to her, but it's great for you, and that's not my, I don't have the right to take that away from you because my experience in my life has been totally different. That's been your experience. But one thing I know to be true is that you and I can come here today and love each other's journey so much that you and I are now looking forward and we both have a heart to make an impact in the future. Mm. That's a great space to be at, regardless of the intricacies of each person's story. Mm. We both made a choice to appreciate and respect each other deeply to continue to look forward, regardless of our stories. And I think that, that if we could all take that and just say, Yes, whatever we're going through right now, just let's just shift our head forward. Okay, let's go together, let's be together. Let's you give me a little bit of you, and I'll give me a little bit of me, and we can continue to move in a powerful way. But I don't think we all show up like that. No. And I think a lot of the input into the community I mean, I've always told my kids you got to be careful of input, radio, social media, the people in our environment because something can impregnate in your mind and then whatever you're carrying and birthing is distorted Mm. based on the input, you know, and I think that we need to be responsible personally before it becomes professional, like I said before, about the input and who's around us and what's going in and and then what we're birthing because that's where the call in our life for every person I think is different. And I mean, we're assigned right now. I'm assigned to your call. You're assigned to mine. That's why this is happening. But we also, we're also postured in a way that we, but all of us, what we want to have make a difference. We want to be something in the world that changes what's, you know, what's happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm so with you in that I see it as with the looking forward. You can look around you. And like, if I was to do it, break it down into you know simpler terms, you can look around you and you might see a Kitchen. beauty <laughs> and mess and chaos and whatever, and you can get caught up in all of that, or you can look back, and that's going to stop you from actually yeah. looking forward. So yeah. it's just like the attitude of look up and look forward for the greater good of the wider community. Because that's the only way. That we can all
2: you progress,
1: can, move forward together, unite. You need to see the bigger picture and you need to see the, the, the longer future. You can't get caught up in the sort of the commentary and semantics of what's happening in the current moment around you and you need to, but it, whilst acknowledging yes. what happened behind you. Yes. Um, I just um, really, really... Value how you being able to be so raw and vulnerable with us and share and ex- uh, share it with us too. Uh, we always finish up with a a bit of a hindsight question, and I know that um, this one is uh, a sort of a two parter in that not every not all of our guests love the hindsight question because a lot of people don't like to. Um, I think of it more as you know, acknowledging mistakes or having regrets, but I, I've always seen it as something that if anyone in that moment right now is in the position that you were in back when you were starting Oka Sun or back when you were reflecting upon acknowledging your dad's side of the family, like the two different sides of Alana Kennedy – and and they're at that place now, they might find your reflection or your hindsight helpful. What would you say to the two two sides of Alana Kennedy in regards to the businesswoman nurturing, um, taking that leap of faith in starting Oka Sun and then the Alana Kennedy nurturing the you that wanted to acknowledge your Mm.
2: cultural heritage? I would... I would say be unapologetic. No, people aren't going to understand. I think I've, I think I slowed down when I started to apologize, you know, for who I was or, you know, the call on my life and what I was meant to be for the community or what I was preordained to be. So I think just be unapologetic And be wise with how you justify your circumstance because I justified it for longer than I should have and that's when the wounds became deeper and deeper and deeper. So don't justify. Don't justify. Be honest and be unapologetic with where you are at but also celebrate where you want to be. Be protective of your energy time, space and surroundings. I think that comes under being unapologetic, right?
0: <laughs>
2: There's another shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to have a T-shirt range.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yeah, it's so true. Gosh, if I could take back the time that I've spent justifying to people my breakdowns, my overtiredness, my this, my that, or apologising for being mm. overthinking or dramatic, like I, I would – Live a whole second life. Another I think. season yeah, of the yeah,
0: podcast. Yeah. I'm like, God. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I really, really appreciate that advice.
2: Thank you. God, Alana, that was yeah. my absolute pleasure. Thanks for giving me this space. It's beautiful. What an opportunity, guys. What I feel
0: like you've really shared so much. I feel raw, like just an talking honoured. to you, and and so touched, and like my eyes are just completely opened. Yes, I've learned so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh,
2: it's my pleasure. It's honestly my and you know, I I feel I feel the privilege. I know you're saying like, <laughs> I honestly I I do feel the privilege because I, I mean, I'm not really a speaker. I'm very awkward publicly, but um, you know, giving me the safe space and you know, this beautiful business that you have and a growing to have content like this where we are intentionally calling women up into a powerful position of alignment is just so cool. I feel like this is a line in the sand moment for the three of us. I I truly believe that. I feel like in 12 months we're going to look back and go remember that day and look at what's happened
0: As we fly to you and sip
2: cocktails
0: (laughs) on the beach in the Sunshine Coast. It's funny to you when we're all together. Yeah, that
2: would be beautiful. It
0: would. That would be good. I can't even, yeah. yeah. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, Rash. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Um, And if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys.